Hello and welcome to the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer podcast. I'm Adam Glinsky. And I'm Albert Imperato. Where we help men communicate and build empathy. Season two of the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer podcast is sponsored by our good friends at Standard and Strange, where the clothes and the people are anything but ordinary, and the motto is own fewer, better things. All right, Albert, we got an early morning here. We're all uh, sipping our coffee and leading into the day on a, you know, a little crisper morning. So uh, we're all uh, back here in our respective places. But uh, how's uh, the Hudson Valley? Is it the tree still turning? Oh, my it's, God. It's the trees beautiful. are just – I have some pictures. I'm going to post it this morning <laughs> on Instagram. It was like gold like I've never seen before. It really looked like it had been painted in some Hollywood studio. It did not look like it could be real. It was just absolutely beautiful. But um, yeah, it was. I've been uh, finishing up a week of staycation. Yeah, I see that. I yeah. got the auto reply. Yes, <laughs> thank I got you the for auto that. reply. <laughs> and I, I um, yeah, I was not on Instagram for a couple of days, and and uh, which was good. It was totally fine. You know, I was not like freaking out about it. Um, but I do like with everything going on in our world. If I feel like I'm watching the craziest uh, like HBO show, like we're in the final two episodes of this shit. Mm-hmm. And like between the pandemic, the election, um, it's just it's kind of insane. Actually, the level of crazy going on right now. So yeah, yeah the staycation <laughs> was really good. It, it it got me down off the ledge, but I have a feeling the reentry tomorrow is going to be a little rough. It's it's just real life, and we're living it day by day. Sometimes it's uh, you know going so fast you can't even keep up. Sometimes you're in slow motion, just saying when's this going to end. But um, you know, like you said, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting next couple of weeks. It's it sure after is the next month. <laughs> it was actually one of the reasons why um why we're the show today came about was I had this crazy idea of, of um having some like a Halloween special and <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah and this is going to air we think uh, the the Wednesday before Halloween I think when's Halloween. 30 certain day of the week. <laughs> anyway, we're going to air this show uh and 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 my, well, the last time Mike Loria was a guest on the show, he was a panelist on our uh, our first panel. Yep. Mike had been a solo guest uh, uh, in the past and also joined us for like a mini panel. And but when Mike was on last time and whenever he talked so fondly about his about his wife, Liz, I was like, wow, we really should have Liz on the show, too. Just mentally thinking that And I had this idea of Halloween special with the Lorias. Like, I know it's weird, but that's what was <laughs> in my head. And so I, I, I'd be like, oh, we could talk about like, what are their little Halloween rituals? We'll try to have a fun, like goofy show. And, and I was thinking I'd put together some comedy bits, like the newlywed game, like a, a quiz where like, you know, <laughs> ask each one of them questions. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't, of course, I didn't have time to do any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask, we're going to have Mike and, and, and Liz as our guests today. We're going to, you know, we we're going to call it scary relationship stories. Like they're going to tell us they're scary, you know, for Halloween, you know, and then I was going to ask you to make funny music. <laughs> to go along with it, like that kind of stuff. And uh, anyway, I'm not sure that any of this will come together by the time this show actually airs. Um, but we'll learn a little bit about Halloween uh, and uh, and uh, at the Laureus and hopefully start a, uh, a bigger series of having couples on the show. So it, right now, they are our first couple on the show, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. I mean, back to back, so. I think that's kind of cool, right? First couple. 
It's not. First it's couple. Not, yeah, exactly. They're, <laughs> they're just sitting couple. back like, yeah, it's us. <laughs> yeah, so then later in that Adam-y voice, you can say, and America's first couple, the Lorias. The Lorias. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, we've introduced Mike before. If you want to just, mm-hmm. like, officially introduce him with Adam voice, you go right ahead. Yeah, today on the show, we have Mike and Liz Loria in their <laughs> new New York apartment telling all us about their uh, relationship, marriage, and uh, how it's going in New York. So, Mike and Liz, welcome. It's nice meeting your uh, uh, Liz for the first time. So, I've heard a lot about you. <laughs> Good morning. Good yeah, morning. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hanging in. Yeah, so we're, a, we're 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 looking. Sunday we see, morning. <laughs> we're seeing looking behind you. Uh, tell us, you're in which area? You're in Westchester, correct? Yep, Westchester. We live in White Plains. We've been here for almost six years. About five, five almost years. five years. I lose track of the time. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, we both. Um, uh, I I I got her off the island, Long Island. It took me ten oh. years to do it. <laughs> we'll probably get into a little of that today. Uh, and you know, I'm from a little bit further up in Putnam County. And then this was kind of just the middle between our jobs. So we just literally like kind of put a pin in the map and then figured out where, and we settled in my plans. And is it my imagination or did you like just moved into that apartment from another apartment very close by, right? It was maybe the same building, not the same building. Same apartment complex. We just moved four doors down. We were in a tiny little one bedroom for four years. And the so two bedroom opened up and we jumped on it in the middle Ooh. of a pandemic. In the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> oh, wow. Did that actually help you in some way that it was a pandemic in getting the space? Like had people like vacated the apartment to get the heck out of the area yeah. or? Yeah, it was a little bit of luck. We, we had, I mean, kind of backstory. We had told our landlords we were looking for more space and they were like, nothing's available. But then March kind of everything closed down. And then April, they were like, Hey, was it you that asked us about an, an apartment? Cause one's opening up. And I don't think we thought it at the time, but to answer that question, yes, during this pandemic, the quarantine, the extra space absolutely helped because we both were required to work from home. And we would not have been able to continue doing that in our small one bedroom. So it was a little bit of a blessing, a little bit of cursing when we had to actually move because <laughs> it was tough to do it. But I mean, we couldn't hire anyone. We couldn't ask for help because everybody was oh, wow. everybody was worried about getting sick. So it was literally the two of us like putting our mattress on our back and like walking it <laughs> four doors <laughs> down. Yeah, we moved everything ourselves. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm a mattress slider. I'm not, I'm not lifting that thing up. That we, we, <laughs> we had a tiny little, we had a little hand truck I borrowed from okay. my parents. So we slid the bed frame. We slid okay. the frame. That was heavy. <laughs> so, so for our, our guests who yeah. don't remember, uh, could you very, very briefly just tell us both about the work that you do currently? I'm a sign language interpreter and I'm a director for an interpreter training program. And I am a language teacher. I've been teaching Spanish and Italian for 11 years now. 11 years. Yeah. Wow. So, so language is a big, is a common theme there. Big theme there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Do you, um, Liz, are you, how are your, your foreign language skills other than sign language? Is sign language kind of a foreign language in a way, like or an alternative language? How do we call it? Um, it can be considered. Like an international language almost. Well, uh, sorry to interrupt. If we're going to call it, uh, if we're going to talk about foreign, 
uh, a lot of people think foreign as in not from here, then sign language would be not really considered because American sign language is spoken here. It is a language in this country. Right. It's not foreign in that way, but foreign in terms of your high school days where you had to take a foreign language, a second language, yeah. sign language is absolutely, yeah. Right. Oh, and each country, each region has their own uh, dialect, if you will. And is there a common signed uh, body of sign language uh, in every country? Like, could you go and talk sign language in Russia in certain ways, or is it all completely different? It's all completely different. Wow. Okay. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. So I'm only fluent in American sign language. Wow. So, so you guys then were suddenly, I mean, you were both working out of the home and then suddenly you're both doing your teaching work at home. Yeah. So that's a, that's kind of a big deal. I know we're not living in the city because our apartment is too small and we couldn't imagine both of us doing our work from home. So, so did that, what was, tell us a, a little bit about that in the broader picture of like life under covid and what you guys have had to do to to make this thing work i think that quarantine uh was a blessing in disguise for us we we had just gotten married we've been together for 10, 10 years about 10 years and we'd just gotten married in november and then quarantine hit and we got very lucky because i say that we never would have spent so much time together had it not been for this quarantine. Yeah. I, and, and I think, uh, um, you know, again, we could dive into different things, but there were, there were definitely challenges. Like we don't want to make it sound like it was all super duper easy. Um, it was a blessing in disguise in the fact that, you know, like, like people have said with their children and, and with their families, we would never get this time, this sort of downtime where we're forced I hate to say force, force sounds negative, but where we, we really are made to spend time with our families because our lives are just so busy and we're out and about and we're always doing things. So yeah, this time definitely was nice because we, we were able to see each other every day and it was challenging because we were seeing each other every minute of every day. So, uh, yeah, definitely. It was, it was tough. Um, I say we've learned a lot. We definitely had a bunch of light bulb moments. Um, you know, throughout things, things that have come up, things that have, you know, we, or like things we've been forced to deal with things that we couldn't avoid because we, we were, you know, at our jobs and stuff like that. So I think we've grown a lot. Definitely the space has grown, but we've also grown as a, as a couple as a, you know, but, but it wasn't about, it wasn't without its, its bumps. It wasn't without its speed bumps and stuff. Do you want to tell us a little bit about a bump? And a, and a light bulb moment as a result. Could you give us an example or two? Well, since we, I think since we've been talking about work, one of the things was we we really were forced to share our work schedule, like how we work, uh, uh, without assuming. I think the thing we might talk a lot about is is not assuming, and you hear it out there in the world. Uh, don't assume. We 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 had to really share. Okay, I. I wake up at this time. My, my school starts at this time. And Liz would have to say like, I have meetings. Like we share our meeting calendar. So this way, you know, we're not disturbing the other one because my schedule is more set. Classes start and end at a certain time, but Liz can have a meeting just pop up out of nowhere in the day or seven meetings pop up. So it's, it, we've learned to share our schedule. So this way we're not I'm not like busting through the door of the office to get something. And she's in the middle of a meeting and, you know, startles her stuff like that. 
Oh, the shared calendar is a lifesaver. Um, so I have a, a shared calendar with my schedule with my wife, which also goes to my mom too, because she needs to know. Um, so that's just yeah. uh, part of it. Anytime I get it, boom, like it uploads and it's just automatically shared with them. And yeah, I totally remember that too. It's like, hey, I I need to be in this room, no disturbances, like two to three. Like I'm having the meeting, like what's going on out there? Okay. You're taking your break then. Okay. Let me pause off. And it's just, yeah, you have to really just work in your home. That's, you know, working from home. And, uh, part of that work is like scheduling it out. Um, so that, I mean, that's big and just like small little communications, just making sure that you have each other's best interest and their career in mind. Um, right. Whenever it didn't go so well, <laughs> cause I know my wife and I had a bunch of bumps too. I mean, we probably remodeled the our apartment um, like two times, two or three times. Just okay, we need an internet in this room now, and we now we need uh, you know a closed door uh, for this space. And now we have a two bedroom apartment as well. Both of the bedrooms are now offices. Like I'm in I'm in the second office, and we are all in the living room. We got the crib, we got our bed, everything else, and it's just this is life in 2020. Uh, we, we need to make this a giant work and home and recreational area for, for everyone. And I know you've got a dog in there too, you know, yeah. <laughs> tippy tapping around. <laughs> yep. I yeah. got a little one crawling and hurling things. So we, we all have to make it work. Yeah. Speak it just really quickly. Since you brought up the dog, Bruno, I was thought about a speed bump. Um, I can't remember when it was, but it was in the spring after, right, or right after we moved. And I think I didn't know Liz was in a meeting. The door was closed. She was working fine. I didn't know she was in a meeting and, you know, it was around time when Bruno needed his medicine or his, his, his lunch or whatever. Yes. It's weird. Luke, he gets three meals a day. He's got stomach issues, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I think I, I walked in the door to ask Liz if she had fed him. And I didn't realize she was in a meeting, but I had to know because I didn't want to feed him again. And I was like off to the side, like kind of whispering, like, Did you feed him? and she's, she can't break eye contact in the meeting. So she's like looking at on her peripherals and she's giving me the scariest look of like, <laughs> shut the heck up. Like I am in a meeting right now and I can't turn my head sign language. You have to face and yeah. eye contact. So she's like, I can't turn my head. And she's trying to tell me like, shut the fuck up. And yes, I fed him already or whatever it was. <laughs> but I was like, I just need to know. And that caused a little bit of a, a rift. And we had to come up with a new system for th those midday. If something's going on and I can't, we can't communicate with each other how we would know, because this guy would love to eat three meals in an hour, but uh, it probably would not be good for him. <laughs> Oh yeah. Do you do the, uh, the text for closed doors? <laughs> we could do that. Yeah. In yep. the other room, she's like, get, get him out of here. Or something. <laughs> she could be, yeah. When he, uh, or if he burps, I hate to say it, but it is, burps. Is, smell is, is the sign language for, for F off like the middle finger? Is it that? Oh yeah. Is that the universal sign? No, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Unofficially. Unofficially. Yeah, unofficially. <laughs> the unofficial official. Yeah. So yep. would you say that um, over time then during co the, this COVID period, uh, things have gotten smoother? Yeah. Yeah. We figured out our rhythm. Um, Bruno figured out his rhythm and schedule. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think something we realized was that we had to overshare, over, over communicate, it, you know, erring on the side of more. And I think that's a general thing we've thought about, we've figured out in our relationship in, you know, over the last 10 years, oversharing, oversharing, because you can never, you could never, you can never have too much communication when it comes to like, especially sharing this space, you're both moving. It's like you said, it's a rhythm. It's a dance. We're kind of moving around each other without getting in each other's way, just missing each other so that it's not, it's not uh, chaos, but it, and, and like you said, it could go smooth more smoothly. One thing that um, you brought up, Mike, and your, your first episode was kind of like texting the, the feels before you like walked in the door. Now you're both inside all the time. How does that work out? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. There's still the texts. But okay. from the other room, it's from like, the other room. I just, yeah, she'll just be, she'll be like, I just had the worst effing meeting ever. <laughs> and so this way I know when she comes out of that door, maybe I don't ask, Hey, how'd it go? Or what happened <laughs> right away? You know? Yeah. <laughs> because, because, you know, we want to support each other, but if she's just in a really bad mood because of, the, of a meeting or I'm in a really bad, mood, you know, like we talked about, yeah, definitely telling each other beforehand that has been super helpful. Yeah, for us, <laughs> the feels. I remember that. Do you guys have like a very complimentary approach to managing the household? I mean, does do like one of you cook and the other cleans, or one makes cocktails, the other bakes? I mean, do you have those kinds of divisions of labor? We all have our jobs. We all have our jobs, <laughs> but they change often. A lot of them change often. Yeah. I am the cleaner. I like to keep everything very clean. So we have some some different expectations of what clean means. There's my clean and there's Liz clean. I have no problem vacuuming for four hours. And really? She, he thinks that's excessive. I think clean carpets are a nice thing. But let's bring this back to our relationship here. So we found a rhythm. So something we've learned is that Liz cleaning uninterrupted is much better than Liz cleaning, say, with like Bruno under her feet. So... While she'll vacuum, it may look like I'm just sitting on the couch, but I'm sitting on the couch with the dog, keeping him away from getting uh, yeah. uh, from getting under her feet, which is more annoying than the opposite. I, I, right, I lost my not. train of thought there. Yeah, but yes. So it may look like I'm doing nothing, but I'm keeping the dog away from you, which could end up in him being strangled with the cord right. from the vacuum. And it reduces <laughs> fighting because then I'm not yelling at the dog and he's not right. getting annoyed that I'm yelling at the dog. Right. So we've done, we've worked out these kind of little things. So yeah, we are, we do complement each other in some ways. Um, you know, uh, there are, um, yeah, when it comes to cooking, it's like one of us makes something better. Albert, you're Italian, you know this, Adam, I'm sure you know this too. I may make something better. She may make another thing better. So we really don't step on each other's toes when it comes to those recipes and those dishes. So yeah, we both do a lot of the things and they kind of balances yeah balances it's very complimentary in my house it's incredible how yeah. one each of us basically has skills that the other doesn't possess whatsoever right. it makes it right. very easy like something happens and we look at each other like that's one that's for you we know you're yeah. gonna do that much better than me <laughs> first of all if it's something yeah. that arrives at the house that has a manual that has to be read first i'm out i mean I, okay you know brian explained to me what you know uh was it uh rtf uh m you know, read the fucking manual. Like, like oh, wait, he would look at me like, 
I'd be like, I'd get something really, yeah, whatever, something somewhat, uh, uh, you know, yeah. uh, complicated. And I'd be like, Brian, I don't know how to work this thing. I, I, I just got a, I just got a weed whacker, and I don't know how to use it. And he's like, read the fucking manual. I can, I can hear him saying it. Oh yeah, I, I like, I like act like I'm so hope. But my, actually, Adam lived through that when, when I had to deal with getting the microphone. <laughs> I mean, you thought that I was like buying a nuclear power plant. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I was frozen off in like fear. I'm just like, hey man, it's cool. Like, <laughs> just gonna like turn it around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so, um, yeah. just um, the the whole COVID thing obviously has thrown us, uh, you know, massive curveballs. And you guys, I mean, that happening right soon after your wedding is kind of a that that's kind of a big big change. Um, and you, it seems like you guys have really worked out a uh, a really good. Um, system together i'm just wondering what is the the very best way for you two when you're stressing and you're both feeling like the energy level in the house has gone funky How, do, is it a conscious kind of here's some uh, let's just shut everything down and go and sit and watch uh, our favorite tv show do you have like your little escape valve moment in the in the apartment where you guys know if you do it you'll be able to you know i don't want to get too personal but i mean is there that kind of way to just reduce the tension what do you guys do together to reduce the tension yeah, I think we'll we'd watch we'll watch a show. Um, I think when that situation occurs and we know it's very tense or we both had bad days, we give we allow ourselves that whatever the rest of that night or that day to just simmer down and not really focus on talking. We do allow each other to kind of reset. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I think we've start. we've really learned how, like if I'll, I'll be talking to her and I can tell in her reaction, like, okay, maybe I should shut up a little bit. Um, and vice versa. She knows the same and we'll kind of let each other, we'll have to sleep on it one night and then we'll wake up the next day. Most times the next day ready to unpack whatever it is. Um, it's funny. One of our, our, our mutual friends, they talk about, um, when Brooke said going to bed uh, mad at each other, mm -hmm. uh, everyone says, oh, don't go to bed mad at each other. So she, and she's like, no, sometimes I will go to bed mad at you. It doesn't mean I don't love you, but sometimes I'm mad. And if, it, you know, I know we weren't talking about being mad at each other, but sometimes like it's OK to go to bed angry. It's OK to go to bed mad. It doesn't change the fact of my feelings for you or anything like that. Um, but let's just go to bed, wake up and we'll deal with it the next day. We'll, you know, we'll unpack it the next morning. That's good because yeah. I cannot go to sleep angry. I I just really? completely yeah. I have to, I have to make peace before Work I go to it bed. Out. It's it, yeah. Brian's like half asleep and I want to have a conversation. <laughs> and He's you're like, like, no, 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 dude, not now. Tomorrow, I'm like, no, I can't sleep. Let's talk. Anyway, I remember when we were out and Brooke was talking about this, and I and I had always been like, no way, you can't go to bed angry. But she explained it so well, like it doesn't change the fact. It doesn't change my feelings for you. It doesn't change our feelings for each other. Sometimes something either pissed me off. Maybe you ticked me off. I ticked you off, you know, and I, and I do, but the thing is I get both sides. I get both sides. Cause then she said, well, what if somebody asked, well, what happens if you don't wake up the next morning? Yeah. And she was like, well, I hope that my relationship was strong enough and open enough that my partner knows I loved them until my last breath. And just because I was mad doesn't mean I didn't love you or change anything for like the last umpteen years or something. And I was like, hmm, that makes sense. It made sense. And we're going to have to give her credit for this episode. We will. We will. Yeah. Brooke, Jenna and Brooke. 
So, so when you, uh, I was talking with you guys um, last week. We had our little pre-interview talking about this this concept. You guys um, were like going down a list of things that we might talk about, and there was one thing that I was surprised that you that you said was okay and that you would be okay with talking about. And I, I just, I'm just, I want to bring it up, and I want to, I want to uh, also put it in the context of what we were just talking about. Uh, you know, you just basically said uh, when we talked that that you guys had sort of made a, a decision about, about children, about uh, that you had decided that having children wasn't going to be something that you were going to do. And um, I've had so many, um, so many different friends with different stories about, about having kids or, or not having kids. And when I mentioned this as a possible subject to Adam, Adam was, he kind of was like very, not very like, Oh my God, that really, that's like a big thing to talk about. He kind of made it sound like, wow. Wow. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people are doing different things now and having different ideas. I'm just give us a little uh, uh, background, and I'm just curious. It did COVID push this idea uh, in some way? Like the the intensity of, of being together, having more time to talk, was it part of what made this come around as something you wanted to to really discuss? Want to tackle this backwards? Uh, yes, we don't want to have children. And yes, the COVID pandemic definitely solidified that decision <laughs> that we don't want to have children. No, I'm sort of joking about that part. But uh, sure. Hey, what do you want to start with that? Oh, where to start with that one? Um, yes, it is true. We do not see children in our future. Um, we do not see having children in our future. Um, do we want to do we want to kind of preface this with, you know, we were also sort of piggybacking on that we're also open to adoption although not right now that is something that sort of eases our decision that doesn't make really sense of not having biological children now because the option of adopting in the future is something that we were both we've both been open to um but but yes that first part remains biological children are not in our future We've made that conscious decision and we can unpack all the reasons why if you want. I mean, we are okay talking about it. And I think that's something that is, um, you know, Adam's reaction, like, oh yeah, there's a lot of people, but I think there's a stigma about being one of those people to, to admit that, um, you know, I think people are afraid to admit it because for many reasons, some being the expectation is to have children. And so talking about not wanting them, people sort of make you out to be like a villain. Like, oh, you don't love children? Why don't you like children? Like, and then they pepper you with all those questions, different questions. And it's like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You know, it doesn't mean I don't like all children. We both have nephews, both love them to death. <laughs> but, you know, we, you know, we, it's about taking care of a living being. And, and then, I don't want to bring this up because I don't want to make sure I want to make sure you're okay talking about it, but male, female, I'm not the one that's going to be carrying a child. So it's your body and right. you have to talk about that. Right. Which I always appreciated that you respected that decision. Yeah. I, I'm a, a career woman. I always put my career first. I have a long commute. And to me, it was just another thing I had to carry down to the city. If I, had to carry a big belly with a child. Not really something I wanted to do. And I, I saw that being just another thing that I had to take care of. And at that point in my life, I didn't want to. 
And we have a lot of talks about it. It's a constant conversation. It's not a decision that we made one day and stuck to. Right. We've had to have this conversation and revisit it daily. Just, no, it's not something that we want to do. We don't see it in our future. And I always appreciate that you respect that I don't want to do that. I will say we don't wake up and turn to each other and go, you still don't want kids? No, no. It's not like that kind of daily conversation, but, but similar yeah. Th- things will come up around the, around, you know, in our experiences, see, you know, one of our sisters will send us a video of our nephews and we'll be like, Oh, that's so cute. And then you could sort of see maybe the other one's getting emotional. It's like, are you caving? Are you, are you changing your mind? No, I'm not. It's just a really cute video. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it, we so do. do you- yeah. Do you get a um, uh, family and friends who are saying, oh, when you guys having kids, do you actually feel like it's being yeah. pushed on you without you even bringing it up as a topic? I'll give them credit. It's gotten better. Yeah. It's gotten less recently. When we got together, got back together, because for people who don't know, we did take a little break for a couple of years. Uh, when we got married, those are the times when it kind of went up, got more. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, you're going to have kids. And we're like, mm, no, probably mm-hmm. not. Right. And then, yeah, I'll, I'll say it. I don't mind saying this. Then a lot of times the response is, oh, well, you'll change your mind. Or, or, oh, well, you'll feel differently. And there's a lot of that. Again, it's less now, but there was a lot of that push. Like, you're just not thinking clearly now for some reason. Like, no, I'm thinking very clearly. No, I don't want children means I don't want children. There's, there's nothing you can say. There's no, right. there's no, oh, it'd be different when, no, no, thank you. Right. The reasons we don't want them are very clear, not changeable reasons. We're not, I'll say this, we're not not having kids because we don't feel ready. In fact, it's quite the opposite because we look at each other and we say, you'd be a really great mom or you'd be a really great dad. Thank you. Thank you. We're pretty, we're confident in that. We just don't want them because of travel, finances, responsibility. I'll say it. I don't mind saying it. I'm, I'm a little bit too selfish in my life to uh, want to have to, or have to take care of something and make sure something doesn't die for 18 years. Um, This guy, Bruno is, is enough for me right now. Um, you know, and a lot of people are going to hear what I just said, and they may think I'm a bad person. I'm selfish. I am. I'm saying I am. I, 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 I don't know. I don't mean it in a mean way. It's just very raw and very real for me personally. And I, I, that doesn't change my feelings about people who do have kids. Right. Power to you. Have those kids. Yeah, as a parent, I yeah. totally understand. Like that is, <laughs> like, I'm not here trying to like convince you. I'm just like, Cheers. Thank all those you. things are true, actually, a hundred percent. And you know, um, but Adam, that doesn't make you love. That doesn't make you love your children any less. No, it doesn't it, it, at it, all. Right. It's yeah. like it, it's two different like Venn yeah. diagrams. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. um, it, it's it, it's there. Like that's completely true. It is a huge financial like undertaking like mind-blowingly <laughs> and time and it's just like there is pre-dad adam and then there's after dad adam because my life completely changed it is totally different than it was um and i have to make decisions every single day in my life as a dad and a person 
and a guy and a denim dude and an individual who just wants to have fun. But then also as a father, you know, I can't be going around doing crazy things anymore because um, I have mouths to feed and I need to do that. Like a lot of my daily decisions are based on my family um, and I totally get it. And, you know, I, I have friends um, that are, have been together for six years, have no intentions of getting married. Uh, another friend that took a year of celibacy just because of like not wanting to to deal with relationships and stuff, like even to that selfish level of just, I'm going to say no for an entire year. Um, so I don't, I don't like, yeah, quote unquote selfish, but um, kind of going back to a couple episodes in this season, the, Hey, do your selfish thing for yourself so that you can be your best self and be selfless to everyone else. So I, I don't think you have to say it's selfish. It's what you guys want and it's the best thing for your relationship. Why does that impact my life? Right. Right. <laughs> I think that's know, a, I'm sorry. That, I just think that's a really important point. It's just, we not only have to learn to uh, not uh, uh, bow to pressure, social pressure, other pressure. We also have to be, learn to not give social pressure. I think we, it's a one way street where people don't realize that pushing other people to do things is just as bad as being pushed and that you could really help your friends by actually listening to what they're saying instead of having that reaction of, you know, you'll change your mind. You'll, you'll wake up one day feeling like me. And, and that would be a, lot, a very freeing attitude for all of us to have because it is definitely something I'm very aware of in my own. Uh, you know, what works for me works for me. I became a businessman. You know, I, be, I started my own business. I could recommend it to other people. I could also see a reason why it's a really bad idea to, to do. And people ask if they want my opinion, I'll tell them what I like and don't like about doing it. But I'm certainly not going to be putting pressure on someone who doesn't like their job at some corporation. Oh, you should quit your job and start your own company. I mean, if they're thinking about it, great. But, you know, what works for me works for me. So I, I really commend you for for it. I mean, I, I think it's amazing. I, I feel a little bit like, you know, it, it's so funny. Yeah. You know, gay people can have this sort of attitude like, oh, it's always so easy for straight people. You know, how about all the pressures that straight people have to do all the things that straight people are supposed to do? People having meltdowns. I, one of our, my friends is going through hell because they want to have him, him and his girlfriend want to have a backyard wedding and the, and the family's flipping out like how dare you even think that you'll do a backyard wedding like wh why would you want to do something like a low-key party like you don't want to have a big hall and a big band and it's just like it's crazy town like what if you want that kind of wedding have that for yourself like like yeah. leave other people having a to do their thing so anyway yeah well I, and and you know i just wanted to bring it back to something because you talk about selfish versus not selfish if let let's look at it through a different lens and albert you brought up pressure so let's say families pressure their children, right? Parents or grandparents, right? Parents want grandkids. All right, let's have kids, have kids. Let's say we did. What happens if we resent having the kid? What happens if we don't feel that love? What happens if we regret the decision? How often, will, let's put it this way, will those parents who put that pressure to have kids be the ones responsible for that? No. The parent who doesn't want to be a parent who had the kid who doesn't want to be a parent anymore is going to take the flack for that. Cause then we're going to be the parents that aren't great parents. Cause we didn't want them in the first place. 
and then we caved. So you're talking about caving to social pressure. A lot of times I think I don't, you don't hear the, the next part of that story, which is what happens if kids do have kids or people do have kids because of pressure and then they regret that decision, you know? The stigma with that, oh, you had a kid and you gave it up for adoption. Well, why? You're two able parents who, there's no reason you should have given up that kid. Well, we didn't want to have him in the first place. Well, why did you? Pressure. So I think, you know, there's not enough said for people standing up to the pressure, all right, fighting against the pressure to say, no, 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 no. Because I'm, I'm sort of going in different directions with this, but I think at the end of the day, People who had the kids who don't want to have the kids who didn't want to have them in the first place are then the ones responsible. They're going to get the bad name. And then the poor child, the child who is going to be in a home where you can see that the parents did not want to have the child. Like, what kind of a life is that? Look at the picture of that life. And it's all because of pressure. And, you know, it was hard. And we'll say it from our point of view. It was hard with, with our families to just be like, hey, enough is enough. And we really had to dig our heels in. Um, but I am glad that we did. Was part of the success um, that you've had just being in a, a united front and just being there to support each other? I mean, because you really have to uh, have that complete and total, like, this is our decision together. This cannot be something where either one of you hides behind, you know, like, oh, yeah. I would, I might change my mind if she would change her mind or I might change them. You know I mean? If he would change, I mean, you just can't go there at all. Yeah. United front. Absolutely. And I was just last week talking with uh, a common denim friend of ours. I won't name drop because I didn't get permission, but um, about, I was talking about the same thing. It was, it was how to deal, how to deal with family in-laws, your own family versus your in-laws. And, you know, and that was my biggest piece of advice. It was just, you have to be united, which, which is deeper than you think, because people are just like, yeah, united is great, but how do you get there? Because in the, in my head, here's the, the situation I'm picturing. Yeah. Liz and I can have a bunch of conversations about our families. If we're not open and completely honest in those conversations, so it could go off the rails really quick. Because if I have feelings towards her family and she has feelings towards my family, but we're not completely honest with each other, there that can cause a lot of trouble. If I'm saying, hey, I don't want to, I, I really don't want to go to this event your family's having because I'm worried about COVID. You know, if she's telling me, yeah, Mike, yeah, you're right, I will. But then she's going to her family and going, he doesn't want to go, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not saying she's doing that. I want to say, I'm not saying she's doing that, (laughs) but if hypothetically, if she's not being honest on both fronts, like that causes so much. And And it's exhausting. Yeah. We did go through that for a little bit. There was, there was a little bit in the beginning. I don't want to speak for you when it was very tough. You, and you felt like you were being pulled in both directions. Yeah. When I, when we first moved in together, right. it was tough because the expectation was that I would be with my family every weekend. Right. But I also was building a life with Michael. Right. So, you know, I was trying to figure out what do I do? How do I split my time? Right. And, at the, you know, at the end of the day, it, we had to have a lot of conversations about this is our family that we're creating. We're mm. creating a life together and we had to respect that. Yeah. Yeah. That with each other, that growth period right. of learning, this right. is becoming our 
core. Right. But yeah, those honest, on, brutally honest conversations. A lot of tears and screaming. Yeah. At, at, at both, at me, at, at, with us, at your family, with your family, kind of just right. figuring it out. Holidays yeah. are very difficult. But open and honest yeah. is, 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 was the key there. Right. Right. And becoming that united front, because for many years, we tried to split holidays. Oh, Lord. And it was exhausting. And it just, you couldn't even enjoy the holiday because it was, well, I'll be here for Christmas Eve and then I'll be there for Christmas Day. And I couldn't really get to enjoy both sides. And he, like, then I was leaving him alone on a holiday because we couldn't bring the dog down to Long Island for whatever reason. So we had to really sit down and strategize and figure out that's it. We're going to spend all of our holidays together and we're going to be a united front and tackle this together. This is what we're going to say to this family. And this is what we're going to say to this family. And we have to be in this together. And since we've been able to come together like that, knock on wood, (laughs) it's, it's been better, you know, than COVID and you can't see anybody anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. I can't say enough about the United Front. Um, I mean, my wife and I did that when we were, like you said, building your life together. And those are tough conversations that we kind of have. And I remember we were having some some issues with with her side of the family. And it was like, she would get like a text message. We would have like a five-minute conversation about what we wanted to do. We'd like prep the message and send it and, you know, get it back. And then it's like, okay, how are we going to do this? And it was just, okay, we got to talk about it. And, you know, a lot of it was on, you know, my parents too. Like my mom is intense, straight up. She's intense. She's in your face. She will interview you and grill you question after question until you say stop. Cause she's just like, I want to know so much. I want to know so much. I just want to know everything. And it's draining sometimes. And sometimes you just have to put up a wall saying, Hey, you know, that's, that's, that's enough. You know, I, I'm here for this, (laughs) but it's those conversations that you can really have. You're both exactly on the same page. You know what is going to be said to, to each family member. And it really takes a lot to, to get there. But once you have it, whew, it's, it's good. And you're just, you don't even have to worry. It's just like, we know exactly what's happening. And then once you have that trust, you said, I mean, it was going back and forth and it was hectic. I mean, that it just puts all of that away. And for me, it's like, it's so good because, um, you know, recently my mother-in-law left, um, there was a lot to go on with that. How much we want to, you know, kind of give her as a parting gift, you know, um, how many bags of luggage are we going to send with her? What's all going down the logistics of getting to the airport and back. And that was so much planning. And I mean, the flight got changed so many times due to COVID that like, it was like every month, you know, and we are just, you know, pulling it all out and like, okay, this is the day request off, do all that. But I mean, once you get to that point and like, you kind of know like that's sort of the new baseline for the relationship is that level of trust and communication. Because if you're not like focused on your core family, you know, Mike, Liz and Bruno, that's, that's, that's it. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of the new unit because, um, I mean like, yeah, obviously I see my parents as, you know, my family, but like my family is my wife and my son. Like that's, that's us. Like that's my core. And I like, yes, I see my parents as it, but my new vision as my family is that, and it's changed. And through this conversation that kind of really kind of lit up a few of those light bulbs of just what is my idea of my family, of my relationship and all that. And when you have it on the same page, 
gold. And, so. <laughs> and that was something the denim friend and I were talking about because um, I think in this world, there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of backlash to the advice, which is that what we're talking about, your family is your nuclear family, right? Uh, me, Liz and Bruno. And sometimes we have to tell our former families, right? Our parents, our former nuclear families, that this is the way it is because a lot of times there's pushback. Parents, grandparents, they don't, I don't want to say they don't want to hear, but the expectation is that you don't, uh, the expectation is that you try to make everything work. And if you, if you're, if you're, if you're digging your heels in and saying, no, me, Liz and Bruno, this is our nuclear family. There's a lot, people get insulted. A lot of people get insulted because of that change. You know, they want to be included and stuff. And, and I kept saying to this person, you know, you, you and your spouse have to be on a united front because there are going to be a lot of hurt feelings if you stand up for yourself and you say, no, we're doing this holiday, just the three of us this year, because they're going to say, you know, like they could say like, oh, you don't want to see us? Why don't you want to see? No, it's not about you. I want to spend the holiday with my new, with my spouse, with my family here. No insult meant, but a lot of hurt feelings. And that's hard to overcome because I, in our experience, hurt feelings can tend to tug at your heartstrings, you know? And so I will say we've definitely had that where we're going to spend a holiday alone. And then one of our families might get a little insulted. And then that person's like, Oh, now I feel bad for them. And it's like, no, stay strong, stay strong. We're going to, we're going to spend the time together. We're building our lives together. You know? So I said, I was telling this, this person, you have to be prepared for some not so pretty things that might come of these conversations, which makes them even harder to have. Well, I but call this, important. I yeah. call this the, I love you, but conversation. Yeah. This is not just a couple's thing. Uh, I had a friend who was telling me about a difficult time he was having with his, with his parents. And I'm like, dude, you're not 18. You are 34. And when you're 34, you're actually allowed to say to a parent that stepped over their line and is not uh, listening, I love you, but I love you, but please understand that I have to do this for my job. Please understand that I have a relationship. Please understand, because I think the day that you actually understand that, you know, I call it the parent, the parent card. Parents love to play the, but I'm your parent and I'm allowed to play the parent card. My mom loved the parent card. She loved to throw that thing down like, sorry, I'm your mom. You're going to have to do everything I tell you now. And I, oh my God, when she would play that card, I, was, I would just be like, like petrified. And it, there was, it was very hard a couple of times when I finally understood that if I was not able to just say no once in a while and just say, look, mom, I love you dearly, but I just can't. I'm up in the house. I'm away on the weekend. It disrupts my life to come for dinner. I know it sounds ridiculous. Who wouldn't want a home cooked meal on a Sunday at mom's house? But understand, we get up to the house. We only have a day and a half. I'm really busy with work. I'm totally stressed, honestly. And I can barely get it. I cannot get out of the house at a Sunday at two o'clock to get to your house for dinner. I love you. And, and I, I just think that, that that is a very, very big moment in anyone's life is when they realize that they have the right to stand up for themselves and you do it politely and it's not vindictive in any way, but to have that sort of sense, Hey, I'm allowed, I'm allowed to look after my own, my own happiness. 
And you not always could do that. Every once in a while, you just got to bite the bullet and say, hey, it's it's mom's birthday. And no matter what, I have to do that. Whatever. You know, like two, twice a year, my, my mom is like, if I didn't send her a Mother's Day card and a birthday card, there was hell to pay. And I would just be buying it. Like, I'll never forget. I said, mom, I, I don't really get birthday cards. She goes, you buy my birthday card for me. You don't buy it for you. And I was like, oh, okay. Once in a while, you just got to <laughs> do that thing. Yeah. So, sure. I still, I lost my mom eight years ago on Mother's Day. I wake up in a cold sweat. Like I didn't buy, birth, I, it's still so ingrained. In me. Oh. I didn't buy a Mother's Day card. I'm serious. This actually happens. Oh. So anyway, all I'm saying is anyone out there, I'm, now this is, I'm going to go deep to the listeners out there. It's okay once in a while to tell your parents, I love you. Well, I think we uh, went from the uh, the spooky Halloween to uh, it's a it's a crazy, wild, scary world out there. But in your house, in your place, you have the treats and you have all the goodies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And some of the the goodies that that we have are just really good communication, unified front, trust, and setting boundaries. I mean, it really comes down to like these, these kind of core things every time is, is where we find these really good relationships, these great friendships, this, you know, a loving marriage and having those kind of, you know, those goodies, those candies, you know, in your house is, is what's going to make it fun and festive because I mean, when you don't have it, like you said, it gets tough. There's emotions. You, you come at each other and it's, it just doesn't, you don't, you're not on that unified front and that's just such a great way to put it. And I, I love that term and definitely stealing it a lot. This, this show. Yeah, no, you, that was great. Adam. <laughs> you, you synthesized a lot of the themes of our chat really brilliantly just now. So we're yeah. going to have to go back and, and listen to that, but it does segue uh, nicely just for a little goofiness into it is Halloween. I'm not seeing mm -hmm. scary stuff in your apartment there, Mike and Liz. So no. what uh, I heard uh, from uh, Liz that, I mean, she was like a serious Halloween girl, like Disney princess. Like this was like <laughs> a thing. I learned a little bit about like she was in the theater group. I mean, just a little bit about, uh, tell us a little bit about your Halloween skills, like uh, costumes this year. Are you guys going for it? No costumes? What's going on? Well, I mean, I have at work, I work in a high school, so they'll have spirit week and probably Halloween costume day. So I might throw something together um but i'm not a big i'm not a big costume person you're definitely more of a costume person than i am even a little bit <laughs> yeah mike mike you would make a good pirate i think i think you'd make yeah, an awesome pirate I anything think, with uh, a beard because i am not shaving my beard and liz what was the disney princess thing like growing up like as a kid you were always dressed as a D disney princess like you had really uh, professional just... so growing up i was in theater and I think the story you want me to tell was it all through high school for Halloween on um, my theater group would put on like kid plays for safe Halloween. So the kids would come to the high school to trick or treat. And then after like my friends would just hang out, we'd go back to somebody's house and watch Rocky Horror picture show. Then I went to college and I did not understand this concept of dressing up as a slutty Disney princess or I didn't making understand everything any of sexy, this. making everything yeah. slutty. Yeah. Right. So my first Halloween my boyfriend at the time was like, we're going to go to this bar. We're going to win this costume contest and we're going to dress up as counties <laughs> from our very rural yeah. uh, college area. So I thought this was another theater opportunity and I went full force. I got mismatched clothes and I looked ridiculous. We get to the bar and all the girls are dressed as 
sexy something sexy or sweaty Snow something. White. And I didn't understand this. And um, we didn't win the contest because some trial up nurse probably won it. <laughs> but that was, it was like the scene in Mean Girls where she shows up dressed as the, the yep. ex-wife bride. That was me. <laughs> so I learned pretty quickly not to dress up on Halloween. Okay. Okay. Although, although, Mike, you <laughs> mentioned you are like a bit of a candy person. You're like seriously into candy. Oh, it's so, it's yes. so bad. I have such a bad sweet tooth. It's like it's like a force that comes over me and I can't stop it. So Liz controls my candy rations. You want to talk about right. boundaries? I have to hide <laughs> the candy. Quick, quick, quick story about candy. Uh, one time we got some candy. I think it was after Halloween a couple of years ago. And then Liz went to Long Island to visit her family. So I was home with Bruno and she left me three pieces, three pieces as a ration, one for each day of the weekend. And she hid the rest of it. And she said, don't you dare go try and find the rest of it. And I spent the entire weekend trying to find the rest of it. And I couldn't find it. Do you know why? Do you know she where she it. hid it? She hid the candy in my gym bag <laughs> that I did not go oh. and look into. If that's not irony, I don't know what is. <laughs> that's okay. that I felt like such a shit from that. <laughs> And that's when we started going back to the gym. Right, and it was all out of love. I rationed the candy. <laughs> that would not that would not work in this bag. house because Brian can uh, smell a candy bar or sugar like a mile away. I've never seen a person love sugar so much. It's just, <laughs> what Mike? What is your your candy bar of choice? What is your very oh favorite? my? It changes up daily, but I you can't I cannot go wrong with a hundred grand bar. Okay, that's my favorite. <laughs> really, I don't even know that bar. one. Yeah. Liz, something you, about are, that crispy rice. <laughs> Liz, are you a candy person too? I enjoy Reese's peanut butter cups. Oh yeah. But I try and have a little bit more control than somebody I know. So <laughs> so <laughs> kids should or should not come by your door for trick or treat this year? They can't because our Halloween tradition is to shut the lights off, lock the door and pretend like we're not home. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, that's those 2020 public schools right there. <laughs> Ours is the same thing. I was gonna say like, oh, as kids and stuff. Oh yeah, man. No, we don't. I don't know. There's, there's Brian, Brian and I would get like big candy bars. His parents were in the news oh, when they were kids. Were... They were in the news because they gave out full size candy bars. Oh yeah, and the lines very country thing to do. Oh yeah, the lines were like really long. They were in the news for being the best Halloween house. Okay, that's what I. That's wow. Yeah, that's my my parents did that too, but because we lived up on a hill. Like you walked up this hill. So you earned um, that full size candy bar yeah. <laughs> in our house. That's true. <laughs> so Ooh, we're like, yeah. no one would come. Like my parents now, would like call other parents and be like, hey, are you gonna bring your kids by this year? And everyone's like, really big hill. candy bars because it was such a pain in the butt to come come to our house. Wow. You guys yeah. also mentioned a really inspired uh, costume idea that that didn't fly. And I want to encourage you at some year to go for it. I want to see you guys. As Lucy, Lucy and Ricky, we want to see you as I love Lucy, Lucille Ball, and Ricky Ricardo. And I heard the the very sad reason why it didn't fly was because the beard. The beard. Yeah. Mike won't shave the beard. I, yeah, I think maybe when we get a little older, maybe the age Lucy and Ricky were, they were probably our age when they were filming the series. But, probably, yeah. but, 
probably younger. Yeah, maybe, maybe you could maybe. invent like an alternative character. It could be like uh, Lucy and Dicky, uh, his friend or whatever from yeah. Nikki. No, Lucy and Nikki, <laughs> and he's from Havana. The brother, and you're the brother Ooh. of Ricky Ricardo. Nice. I, I mean, I do have a little. I could picture you with a little Cuban here. Cuban hat, a cigar. I guess if we yeah. working. he would I love can. to dress up. That I can do. Yeah. Thanks. So yeah. so maybe one day. We're going to invite you back. Um, I, 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 we're going to ask your help in finding some other couples. Sure. I know that we have in our little network some other couples who want to come in. We do want to get more. I first, I personally just loved the couple. This this first time with a couple was was beautiful. Um, and maybe come back uh, whether it's uh, for the, the the Christmas special. We'll work on a real variety show for the Christmas special, or um, uh, you know, obviously Valentine's Sweets Week. There's so many things we could do, but we want to invite you back as things go along. Things happen that you want to come tell us. Come pop in on an episode. Uh, you're both adorable and beautiful, and uh, we're glad that we're not just chatting with you. You're part of. You're definitely part of the family. Like, uh, I'm, I'm Mike, I've known you like what three years now. So we kind of met early on in the whole, the whole Instagram thing. You were, so. my, you were my first Instagram like real connect in like this denim world, and then to find out you were from the Bronx and my family's from the Bronx too, it was like, oh wow, crap. Yeah, oh, we did yeah. have the big paisan moment. Um, yeah. All right, I know Adam's got to run. He's got to really fly out of there. Thank you all so right, much for getting up on an early. It is early Sunday morning. Uh, Adam, any any final uh, words? You're just going to sign off. Yeah, you know, I think we uh, really hit it home um, with the relationships here. And I'm just uh, stoked to, to continue the conversation because we're all in different stages here. And we can all, you know, better our relationships with the people that we love. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this has been another episode of the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer Podcast. I'm Adam Glinsky. I'm Albert Imperato. Mike Loria. Liz Loria. And Bruno Loria. Thank you for listening. <laughs>